All right, welcome to a special, special episode of Dealer Talk. Um, hanging out with my good friend, Eric Nelson. Good morning, people. And we got a special guest, just played a round of golf and decided to take a moment to talk shop. We got a, a close friend and, and a great guest to have on the show today. Um, we're gonna kind of be talking about a topic that we haven't really covered. Um, it's a topic that, uh, you know, it's near and dear to my heart, and that's service in the automotive industry. Uh, so without further ado, let me introduce Weedo. Hey, Weedo, why don't you say hello to the audience? Good morning. Good morning. Um, yeah, so as I mentioned, we're going to um, kind of have a conversation about service and, you know, um, the impact that that can have in the dealership. and. Uh, Weedo's been in, in the automotive industry for 20 plus years. He's done um, collision, parts, uh, was um, fixed operations director. Um, and yeah, I'm just excited to kind of get into it and have the conversation. Before we get started, why don't you give us a little bit of a recap just for the audience as far as your background. And Well, I've been with Toyota for almost uh, 30 years and uh, worked everywhere from, started off in parts, um, worked on uh, collision side of it as well with a body shop and then uh, got into the service side of it as the parts and service director did that for about four years and really got some great insight on how important it is that uh, the dealership interdepartment works you know everything works so well together it's really critical that uh, each department focus you know uh, supports each other um, and uh, it's the only way to get to, to your objectives and goals Right on, man. So um, let me just kind of kick it off here by talking about the profit side of service, right? Because when you think about it, you know, the way that I look at um, the dealership, the, the, the service part of it is the profit center. And then, you know, the sales side is just kind of like, you know, icing on the cake, if you will. But for whatever reason, there's more focus on the sales side of the house than the back side. Um, would you agree with that? And if so, why do you think that's the case? Well, it's, it's, you know, I think the GM usually sees it, they come through the sales department and they see it as a sales. And, you know, the gross is really heavy from sales. You can make some really good money to support the dealership. But I think looking back on the fixed side of it, it's really critical because, you know, you, every, every uh, dealership through the seasons has their lean times. And usually fixed ops is what really carries the dealership through those lean yes. times. You know, a good GM will recognize that and give the support and, you know, help transfer their customers from sales once they make that purchase and then bring them and bring them over to the service and part sites and introduce them. Good salespeople will do that and, you know, keep that retention going because we all know how, how important customer retention is. Yes. Yes. Have you seen a change in, I mean... As far as uh, um, with your background, having been in parts and service both, have you seen a change from, because I know right now probably dealerships across the nation are more focused on the service side, right, as they should be, because that's profit you can count on, right, that's solid. Um, have you seen a shift, and, and what is the shift that you've seen there, I mean, with your experience? I think that you're, you're seeing more general managers recognize the importance of service yes. and parts. Because again, there, it is it is a really good profit center. You know, you get those customers because many times they would get that sales customer, and they would get them. They'd sell them the car, and they probably wouldn't see them again until they're ready to buy another car. Or they try to get their family in. 
now they're starting to recognize how important it is to make that transition for that customer from being a sales customer to being that service customer because they know and they can see, okay, if we hold on to them and we have them coming back and we satisfy them, then they're going to come back and buy another car from us. I mean, this is, you know, common sense. A lot of people know this, but it's like, it sometimes gets forgotten. Yes. Yeah, yeah but don't you think that um, the, uh, you know, the GMs and the GSMs, for the most part, right? Uh, this is kind of a general statement, but don't you think that the focus is more on acquisition of new customers than it is of kind of mining the customers that you already have? <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I, I think it has been, but I think, you know, um, as Eric said, that it is changing. I mean, the, the manufacturers are, are yeah. pushing for that change as well because they understand the importance of retaining that customer, you know, right. the quote-unquote retention of that customer right. because they see the value in having that person stick with that dealership and bring their family, their friends, you know, because they're having that exceptional experience. Well, I think that there's still a, although maybe the recognition is there, I still think that the balance is skewed heavily towards sales because when you just, you know, from my consulting, um, I can tell you that the front of the house gets all the budget and nothing ever goes back to, to, to fake stops and whatever little bit, the little crumbs that kind of trickle back there, you know, just there, it just doesn't justify the, the amount that they're spending on acquiring new people than, than they're doing on, on, you know, focusing on the customers that they already have, the customers that already said yes to them by purchasing a car that are continue to say yes every month when they come in to service their vehicle there. I don't know. I just, I just feel like there's, it's just not balanced, right? Um, you know, and when you break it down through attribution and ROI, are you really getting the bank for your buck when you're spending, I don't know, you know, some cases you see 20, 30, 40, $50,000 a month on, on new business acquisition, in some cases a lot more than that, yet the, the back of the house just doesn't get nowhere near that, that budget. You know? No, I've worked for dealerships. I mean, the, the last store I worked for, they, um, they, they had a decent budget. They put about ten or 15000 a month towards, towards it. And that, that's, I thought that was a pretty good amount for that store. Um, but you're, you're absolutely right. The, the budget for parts, and usually there isn't a budget for parts at all. Usually they're given a little, you know, part of a page, you know, a little corner of a service ad. And um, service will get, a, you know, the majority of what's left over. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's the advertising budget on the service side has never been very big. It, it, and I, I think that's being lost because the potential for... Being in that service side, I think the potential is just incredible. It, right. It's huge. Yes. And yeah. I think it, a lot of times it's just being overlooked because many of these people come up through the sales and they, they focus mostly on what they know. They just don't know. That, that, I think that. that's the key. And I was going to bring that up. And this, um, a general manager said this to me you know, a couple of years ago. But he was like, you know, the reason why the focus is on sales so much is because the people that are in charge were salespeople and then there were GSMs and they were on the desk and so they bring that sales um, you know background with them so obviously that's what they're focusing on and a lot of cases and I don't you know I mean I don't know if this is a hundred percent accurate you know to become a GM if you have to have some sort of service background 
but a lot of uh, you know just from my conversations and things that I've heard from from you know some of these decision makers they don't even you know I've heard statements that they're like hey listen I don't even understand fixed operations that well like it's not my strong suit that's why I need to have somebody that on my team that really understands that because you know I really don't understand it so um, I would think from a from a Toyota store standpoint especially you guys have to be fixated more I would say probably across the board than than any other manufacturer out there as far as paying attention to the service. Am I, am I wrong about that? I no, mean, no. Toyota does a fantastic yeah. job of pushing yeah, yeah, yeah. service. I mean, they do a lot of promotions for the, the in-house as a manufacturer for the employees and the management um, to kind of encourage them to hit their objectives and get that retention because they just did a big shift and, you know, everything is not so much satisfaction now. It's, it's really retention, getting that customer yes. to come back to service yes. three, four, five, six, seven yes. times. And that has been the key. But back to your point about the, the general managers on, I think it is, it's they don't know and they're, it's like, I don't want to say they're scared of it because, you know, they're a general manager. They, they have right. a big store. They've got a lot of responsibility. But I think um, many of them don't, you're right, many of them do not understand the, how it works or the potential that is in, in that back end. So let me, let me ask you this because I, I want this to be a platform that, that somebody can take some information from and actually use it. So my question to you is this, um, from a service standpoint, let's say we're a service manager, how do we get the GM's attention? What are things that we can do that, 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 are, that are maybe not, not normal in order to say, hey, listen, why don't you join me and come on here in the back of the house, let me show you where, what my thoughts are, how we can you know, retain more customers versus get so involved in acquisitions. Let's go ahead and retain the customers we have. Let's utilize that profit center. Let's just maximize that profit center. I mean, what are things that we can do from a, from a service standpoint, maybe from a parts standpoint, what are things that we can do? I think the key is to is really communicate with your general manager. Really okay. let him know where you're going, what your plans are, and what it takes. And, you know, obviously, you know, mostly service departments, you're looking about a 75% margin. And in the parts side, if you're lucky, you're doing 35 to 40%. Um, and if they can see... You know, and it's it's again ROI. What you know, you're making this investment on sales, or excuse me, on service, and you want to get a good in, a return on your investment. And you just have to have that communication with him. Show him where you're, you know, a roadmap of where you want to go with the store, right. and the steps that you need to take. And again, communicate with him on what needs to be done to get to that next level. And because you know, you can show him, okay, if we do this, we're going to retain this many customers. Um, and that's what it's about again. It's keeping those customers coming back and back because if you get them to come back and service, they're going to buy another car. They're going to they're going to um, work on you know they're going to use your parts department. Um, you know it's that's what it's about. And I think it boils down to the communication with your GM. Right. So to right. kind of to kind of tie this to the front of the house for a second, um, as as obviously you were fixed operations director and service manager, you manage parts as well. Did you ever see um, salespeople engaging with the service department to generate business? Because man, I got to tell you, if I walk into a, if I go to another dealership and I see the golf cart and I see five salespeople sitting there, and then I walk in and the GM tells me how slow they are and they're not making any money. Man, that just it blows my Missed mind. Missed opportunities. Yeah, man. Like if I was if I was selling cars, I would be. If there's nothing to do, I'd be in the drive, man. That's where I'd be. Hey, what, what cars do you have that have hundred thousand miles in here today? You know what I mean? Like, what can we do? Can we maybe um, work out a deal and, and share commission or whatever? You know, and kind of generate business that way. Like, it just to me that seems like 
What's some of the fruit. what's the best process you've seen as far as getting the service department more involved? That's that's in order yeah. to piggyback off that. What's the best process you've seen where it's been the most effective and able to uh, introduce those those brand new customers to the service department and, and show them the benefits of that? The best way, the most effective way, is um, having the salesman either. If you're backed up in finance and, and the customers are waiting, the car, the sale's done, basically yes. you're just doing the paperwork. Yes. Have that salesman take that customer and introduce them to the parts department. Introduce them to the service department. Yes. Introduce them to a specific service advisor. Yes. And maybe give them like a, a little gift, bottle a touch of paint, maybe a oh, little keychain, wow. yeah. something. And then the salesperson gives the the parts department and the, the service department his business card right and the, you can do an in-house contest you know salesman brings so many customers by he wins you know whatever it could be but um that has been really effective because then the customer knows where the parts department more importantly knows where that service department is and they can do you know a little quick introduction about it where they bring the car in or and then they can if, if if they need to they can do it after the sale is done but that's really works well no i agree with that i mean that's gonna you know i, I i've always said that the, the the advisors are gonna have better relationships with the customers and the salespeople, are right because the salespeople maybe send their customer a, a birthday wish or card or something like that once a year maybe twice a year but um the service advisor is going to see that customer regularly for their car and stuff, so they're, they're going to have way better relationship. But you know, when it comes to generating business, is there friction? Is that why why that doesn't happen more often? Do you think that it's if the if the if a salesman goes to the drive and wants to you know sees a car with high mileage and tries to sell that person a car? Do you think the advisor might contest that because it's now it's cutting into his pocket? Um, what are some strategies that that salespeople can use to kind of um, offset that and make it a win-win oh, yeah. for everybody. Well, yeah, that and that you touched on a really critical thing because you know you want to have a great relationship from sales to service to parts, right? You want to have the, the whole yes. dealership, all the people work together, right. work together well. You don't want to have any animosity. You don't want to have any of that. And it really starts from the general manager and the policies that he puts in place. I worked at a store where I thought this was the best thing that they ever did. Any time a customer brings a vehicle in for service, say the bill is $400, maybe it's even only $30, $40. What they do is if the, the salesman catches that customer and sells them a car, or if the service advisor walks that customer to sales saying, hey, this is going to be a really big bill. I think you might want to talk to this customer. What they do is they don't, if the car gets sold, sales pays the bill and it's not discounted. So if it's a $600 bill to the customer, sales pays $600. And that, I've seen that work fantastic. Right. You know, the, I, it's the only store that I've ever seen do it. And I thought it was a great program. And you never saw a service manager or service advisor ever balk about having a salesman walking around near his customers. Never complain. I love that. It, it worked fantastic. Let me ask you this. Um, this is kind of a curveball, but you know, today's world of social media, we're doing a podcast today. Um, how have you seen that benefit the service department? I mean, how can you differentiate yourself from, from, the, from everybody else by utilizing maybe the platform of a social media? I mean, what are some of your thoughts on, on things that can be done to, to maybe better inform the community on what you do? Or um, have you seen it maybe being a benefit where we can 
actually inform the customer what's going on uh, with their with their vehicle as it's there, and it has to be an overnight thing of that set. Have you seen any benefits there? Is there something to be oh, learned absolutely. there? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because I mean, now you know you have all these millennials out there, and you know, right now they they would rather you know get the bill on their phone, pay for it. And walk up to the car and you know, walk up to the service department and take their car. Yeah. Not having to go to the cashier, not have to wait in lines. So, I mean, um, social media is really important. And you, you have to have a social media um, department. You have to have somebody that is savvy with it, that understands the importance of it, understands the different platforms and how to utilize them. And then you send out you everything that you do in the store from... When the customer buys a car, take a picture of them, throw it up there. When you have a special event or a charity charity um, organization that you're affiliated with, yeah. you put that on there. You do new owners clinics, you put that on there. You put the video on there. Everything that you do, um, you know, employees that have new babies, put that on there. It, yeah. it brings this community yes. together so that everybody's you know feels like you know, hey, this is part. I'm part of that community at this dealership. You know, I really like these people. I'm involved with them, and uh, it's fantastic. It, it really works. Yeah, you know, I like the the whole social media question because you know I think that that's a kind of a miss in our industry uh, to a certain well, it's degree. It's almost such a such a uh, such a new thing, right? I don't know that we're necessarily we don't know how to maximize it yet. But right. I, you have to you have to you have to play in that playground, and you you got to explore because. Well, and you see some guys like, you know, like uh, the Jeff Larsons of the world that yeah. take that to a different, you know, level yeah. and, and really get the value out of it. But for the most part, when you when you bring that up, even as a, as a suggestion, it's, it, it's always like, oh, no, it doesn't do anything for me or... Yeah, I think, I, think, I think why a lot of people have a hard time wrapping their head around it is because they don't understand it. Like a lot of times these social media platforms are really hard to quantify your, your return on investment. You know, it, it's it, it's challenging. You know, you can it's difficult sometimes, and I think that's why a lot of GMs have have a difficulty figuring out whether it's worth it or not. And in today's day and age, you got to have it. Yeah. You really have to have it. Every major organization has some type of social media platform. You know, and dealers are I think have kind of fallen behind the times on on you know getting involved with this and showing i mean there's 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 definitely a lot of really good dealers out there doing it really well but for the most part as an or as a de as dealers as a whole i think there's a lot that can still be done yeah but i mean look let's just talk about activity right let's say that you're in the in the drive and it's slow for the day and you have like two thousand followers on your social media page right what if you put out a, 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 a some sort of an offer and again this is free it doesn't cost you anything so all you have to do is put out a message on your platform or on your on your page say hey the first 10 customers to show up free oil change Okay, so you give up 10 oil chains for free that day, but what if 100 people show up? Right. You know, because they don't know what position they're going to be in, and that's a way for you to generate some business. Or, or you know, what if you're having a, a barbecue, right, and you put that on your social media, hey, just come on in, we're, you know, we're flipping burgers today, we've got hot dogs, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Come on down, get lunch here on us. I, I think it's interesting, too, is that you could actually, and this is just how my head works, you could, you, as a dealership, I don't care whether it's service parts, sales, whatever. It's, I would think that the the point for anybody to win in that that arena is you'd want to be a resource. 
So when you're taking your customer, and this is all for all the brand new salespeople out there, when you take them to the back to the service department, have that, make sure that service advisor grabs the customer's phones with his permission and puts in there under his contacts, puts service, just service. That's all he want. Doesn't have to know your name, just put service. So he has some way of accessing you to, at all times, anytime. If he has a question about his car, if he has a question about a question, he has a way of accessing you, has a resource that ties you back into that dealership. Those are opportunities that are missed. I mean, those are, because as a sales guy, I would think that I would want my new customer to have access to my dealership at all times for any question, because I want to be the resource. I always yeah. want it coming back. I want the broom, boomerang effect, right? Yeah. So, I mean, these are things that we have to think of kind of outside the box. What are things that we can maybe take a picture of ourselves and, and put that with the service? Something. So you got to, there's so many different, it's such a brand new land. It's so exciting, right? It's right. so exciting. Absolutely. And sure it, but there's, there's so, whoever, whoever gets it right and it's the most appealing wins. I agree. Sure. So um, um, just to kind of give uh, something that's practical that, that the audience can use now as we're in the, in the holiday season, if you will, what are some of the strategies that, you, that you've used in the past that work this time of year? Like I, I, uh, I just uh, uh, put some content on LinkedIn where I was talking about the holidays being a good time to communicate with your customers because there's purpose, right? You, you can talk to them about your holiday hours. You can talk to them about, hey, thank you for your business and your loyalty throughout the year and not so much focus on the offers itself. Is there anything, you know, any any advice, any any offers, anything that you've used in the past? Oh, really yeah, worked? absolutely. There's a lot. You, I mean, you have to know your area. And, for example, if you're near a mall, you can have you can throw it out there say, hey, you know, during the holidays, Bring your car in for service. Mm. We'll take you to the mall, let I you do your that. shopping, yeah. and we'll pick you up when necessary. So a lot of also, if you're near an airport, there's a dealership that we used to know that's um, in the LA area. They're close to an airport, and they have fortunate. This doesn't work for everybody, but fortunately, they had a good-sized land yeah. and and a good-sized lot. So what they would do is they take people to the airport and they would store their car for them as a, as a, a service. You know, you have to look at what what works for you because you know you need to think about liability and other things. But you know, there's a lot of little things that you can do that's unique to your store, that's unique to your environment and your area that you can capitalize that other others can't. Right. No, I agree. That's a great idea. It is. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, um, we're, we're running out of battery here, and uh, <laughs> we, I want to make sure that we can uh, we can wrap it up here really quick. Hey guys, uh, thanks for tuning in. I'm gonna put in the in the show notes uh, contact for Weedo. If you guys have any additional questions, and you want to reach out, um, uh, feel free to do that. Also, don't forget to send us your questions. Uh, to Eric or myself uh, on LinkedIn for the time being. The website's almost finished, so we'll have some news on that uh, coming out. And um, five yeah, years. five years. Um, oh yeah, that's right. My question, man. Come on, bro. Okay, so I I have one question that I ask everybody that comes on the show. So where do you see the automotive industry going in the next five years, and why? Um, I think we're gonna start seeing a lot more uh, in in the electric. A lot of, uh, you, you know, you hear companies like Volvo and you hear, you know, people going that they're going to completely change their line over to electric. They're going to drop the, um, the, the combustion engines and then also autonomy. I would like to see that go quicker than it is because I think uh, safety and other things um, will really increase 
Yeah. The well, I think little... here in the U.S. I, I'm sorry to cut you off. No, not at all. I think here it's regulation is what's going to take the longest, right? Because um, the technology is there already. It, you, know, you know, it's not perfected, obviously, but um, I think what's going to hold us back there is regulation. So we'll see how that whole play, whole manufacturers and lobbyists lean off. Absolutely. Yeah. And also the retention side of it. I, I think that. I think when we started focusing on satisfaction, I think it really kind of skewed it. I think we kind of shot ourselves in the foot with having a, a un, uh, unattainable level of, of so service. Speaking of retention, don't you think that the retention uh, metrics, for the most part, need to be a little bit adjusted to um, longer cycles? Because now there's no, you know, I mean, there's still out there the conventional oil changes and the conventional services but that's pretty much going away right i mean now we're talking about a standard of 10,000 mile oil changes right. so to have people come back twice in a year may be a little bit much i mean do you um, think that i that think it is adjusted? challenging i think it's challenging for service departments because a lot of people don't see that 5,000 services in this you know necessity right so you're going to see them one time in a year unless something happens and that that that's really it is a challenge i think yeah. retention obviously is the the key but i think the metrics are sometimes um, unattainable. Yeah, I agree. All right, man. Well, thanks. Listen, uh, this is awesome. I'm glad we had a chance to, to do this uh, right after our amazing golf game today. So um, uh, we'll definitely have to have you back on the show and uh, and let's play golf again soon, guys. Well, I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you very much for inviting me. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. And as usual, we'll talk later.